So who's the most important person in the entire world? For a lot of modern people, the answer to that question would simply be me. I am. Looking after number one comes first. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 3 to 5, however, Paul tells us to catch ourselves on when we think that way. He warns us not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, but rather to make a sober self-assessment of our own lives, yet at the same time remembering that in the body of Christ every one of us is valuable and important and must play our part. In this podcast, which contains extracts from a sermon preached in Temple Patrick Reformed Church, we look at the text of Romans chapter 12 to help us to remember to look at ourselves with some sobriety. I'm Bob McAvoy. This is the Semper Reformata Podcast. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, down to verse 8. I've only got two points. First of all, don't overrate yourself. You're not as important as you might think. Here's my second point. Don't underrate yourself. You're far more important than you think. We're going to hold those two thoughts in tension as we see what Paul says to us in this passage. Paul has spent time in this epistle going into the deepest depths of theology, plunging right in to the doctrines of sin and grace. He has looked at God's people and he has talked about profound teachings, teachings about Israel and teachings about God's election and his sovereignty. And when he comes to the conclusion of all that, he bursts out into spontaneous praise. And at the end of chapter 11, in this great hymn, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments. What an amazing, spontaneous bursting forth of praise on the page as he writes, theology always leads to the praise of God and it always issues in practical Christian living. And so here's what Paul then begins to present to us. We are to live for the Lord. How are we going to recognize that our minds are being renewed, that our lives are laid on the altar, that we have taken up our cross and followed him. But in chapter one, chapter 12 and verse 3 down to verse 8, he commences his teaching on practical Christianity, living in the light of God's redeeming grace. He says, For I say, through the grace of God given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself 
more highly than he ought to think. First thing I want you to see here is the intensity of what Paul is saying. This is very important. I want you to grasp this this evening. Paul is making a very, very serious point, and he wants you to understand the importance of it. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you. See that phrase. That's a highly significant phrase. He's going to talk about issues confronting Christians. He's going to talk about the Christian in relation to his brothers and sisters in the church, in relation to wider society. All of these will be interesting studies, and they are all interlinked. But Paul is telling us here that this is vitally important. Here's why. Because he's speaking as an apostle. There's an apostolic claim. An apostolic directive. Look at what he says. I am saying this through the grace that is given to me. It's an emphatic apostolic declaration. It's a force that would be similar, thinks most commentators and conservative commentators in this. It's a force that would be similar to the same force that Jesus was making when he said to his disciples, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Truly, truly, I say to you, This is important. Wake up. What I am going to say to you is of vital importance. Let me prove this to you. If you go back to Romans chapter 1, you will see that when Paul talks about his apostleship, He talks about how his apostleship is the very um, gift of God's grace. Romans chapter 1 and verse 5, for example. He says, By whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Grace. His his gift of apostleship came through grace. And now he's using the same kind of language here. He's saying, through the grace that is given to me. What was the grace that was given to him? In this sense, it was apostleship. Apostleship was a gift of God's grace to him. And in a moment or two, we're going to see that he talks about gifts of grace given to us. Not apostleship, but other gifts. Through the grace that is given to me. He's talking as an apostle. This is an apostolic directive. And it's for all of us. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you. He's talking to the saints at Rome. But this letter is not just for the saints at Rome. This letter is for us too by extension. Those who are reading it, those who are still members of Christ's church today, as the people in Rome were in that day. He's emphasizing that this is an apostolic direction which applies to every Christian in every age for all believers. This has got to be something really profound, hasn't it? 
This has got to be something amazingly deep. This has got to be some form of, of instruction or doctrine that is going to rock us to the core and change our lives and help us to go out and to change the world, isn't it? Well, actually, given the, given the build-up that Paul makes to it here, when he actually tells us what he wants to teach us, it's quite mundane. My granny would have put it like this. Ah, catch yourself on. Did I ever say that to you? It's when you're being a bit too full of yourself. Being a wee bit too full of your own self-importance. And somebody will turn around and they'll say to you, Ah, for goodness sake, catch yourself on. I say to you, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, this great build-up, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. There it is. It must be important that we stay humble. When Paul gives an apostolic directive to every Christian, that we don't think too highly of ourselves. Admittedly, there's many times when we're tempted to think highly of ourselves. There's times when we inflate our own self-importance and we become conceited and we become full of pride and we become arrogant. I'm sure you've seen it in people. Now, when that happens in the church, that's a tragedy. A lot of church ministry today is full of self-important people who have forgotten that they are servants of the people and who have become Leaders leading a church rather than serving the body of Christ. Paul says to all of us here, to every one of us with apostolic authority, don't you be thinking of yourself too highly. Don't you get to the point where you're doing exactly what those people in industry are doing or you're following the ways of this world or you're being conformed to the ways of this world. For this world wants you to have self-esteem and ego to serve the body of Christ. We have not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. We're to judge ourselves. We're to make a sober examination We're to think of ourselves soberly, to be soberly, to be balanced and sane in our consideration of ourselves, to make a well-balanced judgment on our own abilities and who we are. We're to make a sacred examination. We're to examine ourselves in the light of our faith, for God has given to us a measure of faith. Don't forget that everything we have, we have it because of Jesus. Didn't Paul write in 1 Corinthians, What hast thou that thou didst not receive? Or if thou didst receive it, why dost thy glory as if thou hadst not received it? As if you got it yourself. Sensible examination. We've only got a measure of faith. Some commentators here, R.C. Sproul's notes, in his study Bible, in the Reformation study Bible, talks here about how this faith is not the faith with which we appropriate salvation, but the faith 
that we have to serve the Lord. And not all of us have that same measure of faith. It's a measure. So we're to have an unpretentious consideration of our own selves. I want you to turn with me for a moment or two to a parallel passage almost to Philippians chapter 2. Because we've already been told here that we're not to be conformed to the world, that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So when Paul teaches the Roman church that we are to not think too highly of ourselves, he writes to the Philippians in chapter 2 and verse 3. And he says, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You want to be Christ-like in that sense. It is to look at yourself with humility and to be realistic. A sober examination, a sacred examination, sensible examination. Let us make such an examination of ourselves before the Lord and in the light of our faith to serve so that we will not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. So the first simple point that we want to make tonight, don't overrate yourself. You're maybe just not as important as you think you are. And then Paul goes on again and he tells us not to underrate ourselves because no matter who we are, We are important to the body of Christ. He says in verse 4, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. You see, there's this connection between us. We are part of the body of Christ. We Paul again likening the church here as he does in other places to a body with many parts, each part fulfilling its purpose within the whole, each part important. The point is very clear. Every believer in the body has a different function, a distinct part to play in the body of Christ. There's no room forever whatsoever for a Christian to think that any other part is more important than any other part, that my part is more important than your part, or your part is more important than my part. You can be part of a member of a social club. You can be part of a society. You can be part of an organization. But being part of the body of Christ is something entirely different. 
when I become a Christian, through God's grace, I'm already a member of the body of Christ. I don't apply for it. Saves me and brings me into his kingdom. And I am his. And I am immediately part of his body. Regardless of whether we've formally joined a church or a local assembly, the fact that we've been born again of God brings us into an organic unity with each other. And we are linked and we are tied together, whether we like it or not. Now, here's the thing. Now that we're in this organic unity, not thinking that I'm more important in that unity than you are, or you're more important than I am, we are to each fulfill our individual ministry within it. Paul actually goes on here, and he tells us that we've all different gifts, verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness, because every one of us has a part to play in the body of Christ. Every one of us is important in the church. Every one of us has something to do for the Lord Jesus. Paul here seems to divide this into two distinct groups. He talks about speech gifts and he talks about service gifts, vocal gifts or vocational gifts. He talks about prophecy and ministry and teaching. Now let's be clear about this. The office of prophet in the church it was a foundational office, along with the office of apostle. When we read the book of Ephesians, we find that those are foundational offices in the church. Foundations are not led and then led again and then led again. There are no apostles or prophets in the church today. But the role of a prophet in the Old Testament was to proclaim the will of God in a given situation. It was to foretell what God's will was. In the New Testament and in the modern day church, how can we apply that principle? Well, every time someone opens God's word and reads the word to you and faithfully expounds it and glorifies Christ and the gospel, that is a declaration of God's will. That is the modern way in which this is applied. Do I believe that there are prophets in the church today? No. But there are plenty of people who are willing to stand up and to declare the will of God as revealed to us in the scriptures. And there's ministry. The word here is diakonos, gift of service, People with an ability to minister to others, important in the church, ministering to people in such a way that they are helped and and, and built up in the Lord. Didn't James write in chapter 1 and verse 27 that pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, to keep himself unspotted from the world, Prophecy, declaring the forth, telling the will of the Lord. Ministry, building up the body of Christ. 
teaching, the ability to explain Christian doctrine and Christian belief to root and to ground people in the word of God. Not just the proclamation of the word. And the way that I've been talking about in a modern interpretation of the use of the word prophecy. But explanation by a teacher. How desperately today does the church need sound teaching and service, exhortation, being able to put an arm round someone when they're flagging, when their faith is low, when they're stumbling. Put an arm round them, pray for them, exhort them, encourage them, giving the giving of our material means to the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ, done with simplicity and sincerity and leadership, the oversight of the assembly being led with diligence and mercy, mercy, a spiritual gift, a gift of mercy. Him that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. God places people in his church and through the work of his Holy Spirit he gives them rules in that church and it is important that they fulfill that role. It's important. So you see Paul's beginning here to teach us the practical way that we are to respond to God's grace in our lives. And the very first is the most basic of all. It's about me and you. And I know that we don't like preaching about us. But yet Paul's forcing us here to do it. And what he's saying to us is, on the one hand, remember that you are not to think of yourself more highly than you want to think. For at the end of everything, you're only a sinner. Saved by God's grace. And yet don't underestimate yourself. Because when it comes to the body of Christ, every single believer is important. doesn't matter what your role is. doesn't matter what the Lord has called you to do. Whether it's preaching in a pulpit or making a cup of tea. Whether it's praying for someone or just simply encouraging them. Whether it's giving to support the church. Our leadership, your role in God's realm is an important role.